everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Nonprofit Show. I am delighted that you're here. And today we have a really interesting guest, Cindy Kenville, that is um, one of the leaders in animal welfare across this great country of ours. And so we're going to be talking to her about leading an animal welfare nonprofit and what that looks like, especially in these changing times of our nonprofit sector. It's going to be really interesting to learn what Cindy is experiencing with her organization, and we'll kind of tie that in uh, to what a lot of other organizations are doing. I think a lot of times we think animal welfare is on its own, but it, it links to so many other nonprofit sectors, and so this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, again, if you don't know who I am, I'm Julia Patrick, CEO of the American Nonprofit Academy. Jarrett Ransom, my trusted sidekick, the nonprofit nerd herself and CEO of the Raven Group, um, is not with us today, but she'll be back with us tomorrow. We want to make sure that we thank all of our presenting sponsors who are with us day in and day out. Bloomerang, American Nonprofit Academy, your part-time controller, Be Generous, Fundraising Academy at National University, Staffing Boutique, Nonprofit Thought Leader, and Nonprofit Nerd. These are the folks that have been with us for most of them that you see or have just listened to. Um, they've been with us for day, from day one, and we're now in year three. So um, it's, it's quite amazing. Again, if you want to find any of our more than 600 episodes, you'll find them in our very extensive library archive, and you can find them on Roku, YouTube, Vimeo, and Amazon Fire TV. And if you like to consume your content via podcast, we just started taking all these shows into podcast form. So we have um, several months. I think we're probably close to six months of podcast uh, episodes. So you can join in on that. Okay. Whew, Cindy, back to you, my friend. How are you? I'm doing great. Okay. Cindy Canville, you're the CEO of Heidi's Village. Yes. Talk to us about Heidi's Village. Sure. Great. Well, first, thanks for having me on. This is a lot of fun. Um, well, Heidi's Village actually is a fairly new animal welfare organization. We opened up in the midst of the pandemic in April of 2020. <laughs> so the best made, you know what they say, the best made plans, right? <laughs> but wow. That's okay because animal needs, you know, they were they're always there and they're always um, there's always a need. So we were very grateful that we could get open and start helping out animals right away. So Heidi's Village is really designed to work with other rescue partners. So the founder uh, Jenny Jontas, her vision really was to be able to provide a safe place that dogs and/or cats could come well, they are transitioning either into foster care or into their forever home. So oh. there's huge needs for animals uh, in care right now. And oftentimes there just isn't a space for them. So it's not that people don't want to help them. They just had nowhere to take them and make sure they were safe. So the uh, we work with about 80 different partnering rescue organizations mm -hmm. and uh, provide boarding services for up to 250 dogs and over 200 cats. So it's um, quite, quite the facility. We have five acres here. So it's a beautiful state-of-the-art. Um, we have a full vet clinic here so we can provide everything at affordable prices. So really our goal is to provide the rescue organizations a safe place to uh, put their animals for a very reasonable cost 
like $15 a night. And um, then we have the full vet services available so they can get them prepared. Wow. So I got to back up and ask you, how long were you in process to get this, this nonprofit launched and then to launch it during this amazing crisis? Mm -hmm. um, What was that like? Well, I wasn't actually the CEO at the time, but I can talk to from the from you know the the lessons I've learned from from Jenny and the previous. They actually bought the property back in 2017 uh, at 40th Street and Van Buren, and um, it took several years of going through City of Phoenix and development and getting that all done, and then getting the building up and operational was about another year and a half to two years construction. So 2020 just. You know, the goal was March of 2020. We had our grand opening all planned and all the wine and beer and food <laughs> ordered. And unfortunately, it didn't happen. But we did open. I mean, we still opened and we still started working with the rescues and taking in animals here. Um, so, uh, but we have seen at that time, we had probably 25 employees. We're now up to over 75 employees. So it's it's a wow. lot to keep the organization up and running. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, how brave of you, uh, of the leaders and, and certainly your founder to, you know, press forward and keep going, because that's one of the things that we saw so much with the nonprofit show is that folks that just like hit that pause button because they said, oh, this will be over. This isn't going to last forever. And then they really ended up shooting themselves in the foot, per se, because they just they lost time and momentum. So. Yes really cool that you you were able to move forward on a new concept and get it going. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I, I commend everyone that was there making it happen. And I've been here almost two years now. So it's, yeah. it's, a, lot, it's a, a lot of work, but a lot of fun. Oh, my gosh. Well, let's talk about this. We alluded to this briefly when we were introducing you. And, and we also were talking about it a little bit in the green room chatter. And that is animal welfare being tied to human service. Um, and I think a lot of times we think of animal welfare as its own standalone sector and it's over here. But talk to us about this link that we don't always understand about sure. animals and human services. Yeah, sure. No, thank you. I I think I think the uh the failure for us to rec- is to not recognize that over 80% of Americans have some kind of animal in their home. That's wow. Yeah, so whether it be a cat or a dog, it could be a fish or a gerbil or a rabbit, but over 80% of Americans have some other uh, creature that they love in their home that they think of as family. So um, when we are, when humans are facing different situations, whether it be domestic violence, which is really a big and it's Domestic Violence Awareness Month. So yeah, awesome. I think it's a great opportunity to talk about that. You know, 45 to 60 percent, there's sort of a little bit all over, of individuals actually will not leave their home because of their animals. So having shelter available for animals and for the human is really, really important. And that's one thing I'm very proud at Heidi's Village is that we can do that temporary care kind of boarding too for those people and, and provide that service. We are working um, in partnership with uh, some different homeless programs and helping homeless individuals transition from the streets to a home. And through that transitioning time, they have the opportunity to put their dogs or cats in boarding here 
which then gives them the strength and the courage to go out, find that job, get their apartment, get things going again. So um, I love, love, love when somebody comes after 90 days or whatever and comes back, back up their animals. It just it just always brings tears to my eyes. You know, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this worked. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's very it's, important. It's really interesting. I mean, do you find that this is a link that you have to educate other folks in the nonprofit sector or does everybody kind of get this? No, um, it's definitely an education that I have been providing. I'm, I've really gotten involved with the Arizona Department of Housing and, and some of the different homeless uh, communities, uh, you know, the St. Vincent de Paul's, the CAST, the others. And they are all doing some pretty amazing things to start thinking about pets and um, sheltering of humans. So I think it's um, we're starting to understand that bridge that needs to come together uh, and I, um, I'm very excited about that because as we look at our whole economics and what's going on here, I mean, our population is exploding, and uh, you can't find rents for uh, you know under over under a thousand dollars. You know, yeah. minimum wage is twelve eighty, but livable wage is almost twenty one dollars. So it's right. There are a lot of things happening in our community, putting people and animals in a lot of stress. So that you can be a part of that solution. I I love that that. Um, that you are thinking about that and, and working with, you know, the, the community in, in your community alone, you're working with more than 80 other organizations. Yes. That's stunning. That's, that's absolutely stunning. And is that statewide or is that more in, in the urban area? Uh, more Maricopa County, actually. Um, we don't really have, we have one or two partners out of Tucson, but otherwise they're all pretty much here in the metro in the metro area of Phoenix. Well, let's um, move a little bit in a different direction, and, and let's have you talk to us about your donor demographics and and how you're connecting to different demographics. Um, we keep hearing more and more, you know, reporting on how younger donors are much more interested in. Um, and animal welfare, environmental concerns than their parents or their grandparents. Are you seeing any of this? I think, you know, for us, honestly, at Heidi's Village, it's um, because we are so new, we're still trying to we're still trying to attract the donor. <laughs> so um, we have uh, seen, uh, definitely have seen uh, a great uh, volunteerism on the younger generation, which has been very, very helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people can come volunteer to help with our cats or walk our dogs or, um, and then we've seen uh, the other spectrum, a lot of seniors that really want to come and be a part of what we're doing here. So wow. I, it's, um, it's been an interesting journey for us at Heidi's Village and trying to raise the awareness and understanding of how animal welfare and the needs of the animals is so great. And the, um, and looking for those that have their time, you know, their treasures or whatever they can give, give back. So we have seen the whole spectrum. So it's uh, one, one way to the other. So when you're looking at these different demographics, are you marketing to these different demographics in a variety of ways? Or are you, because you're so new, still kind of keeping it all the same? Um, we're doing a little bit of both. I mean, we've really upped our social media game and that seems to be attracting a lot of the, um, you know, younger generation. We've done a lot of, uh, kind of asks out on social media, which has been great, great success. Sometimes it's just for goods, you know, in-kind stuff, sure. which is really 
you know, very, very helpful to us. Um, and then we've done the tra traditional kind of newsletters, mailings, direct mails, uh, trying to attract all generations and, and really, again, just raising that awareness of that we're here and we're helping and we need the community support to do that. Now, this is kind of a, an off the wall question, which just made me, I'm still stuck on that number of 80 organizations that you're working with. Do you have like a separate marketing campaign that, that, or communication strategy just for those organizations? Like the, you know, the, the internal sector kind of communication? Um, yes and no. I mean, a rescue, I mean, most of our 80 partnerships are other rescue organizations. So that just demonstrates how great a need there was to find space for animals and how great a need there was to find affordable uh, veterinary care so that they can take care of more animals and we can save more lives. So I think it, it you know, I have to say that was fairly we really didn't have to work that hard on that. I don't know what the word is. It was very, it was a very natural progression of getting those partnerships in and involved with us. Mm -hmm. I would say we have 20 very strong core partners and several others that use us intermittently for different things. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we have other partnerships that we work with with cities and um, Lost Our Home, an Arizona Pet Project, and other ones that are doing, doing animal care but um, needed that again, that place of affordability and that place of uh, secure, safe, quality care. Right. It's so interesting. I would imagine that word has gotten out quickly with the other organizations because it is so unique and it's, it's such an, uh, a bridge kind of service. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously it sounds like you have the ability to meet these needs with such a large campus. We do. I think the, uh, you know, the one thing that that has taken us by surprise a little bit at Heidi's Village is not only is all the number of cats. So we also have a neonate uh, clinic here, meaning they're newborns for newborn kittens. So that's the only part of our organization that we have support 24 seven because those have to be fed every couple hours. And currently we have about 150 kittens in our care. And uh, it's a lot. So those actually all are Heidi's Village um, animals. So that's, um, you know, that and we Heidi's Village is starting to see a lot of more people surrendering directly to us. So they're starting to see us as a resource of, um, of a place to surrender their animal. And of course, we're not going to let any, any animal go without help. If we can't do it, we'll definitely try to find the resources that can. So that was, um, that wasn't, quite the direction we thought as an organization we were going to go, but it's just kind of naturally happening. You know, a lot of nonprofits, you know, start one way and then their journey takes them somewhere else because you're compassionate and knowledgeable and you have an infrastructure. It's, uh, it's hard to say no. Mm -hmm. It is hard to say no. It's hard to say no. And I, Especially you know, when you're looking in those little eyes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you have 150 kittens. How many dogs are you currently sheltering? Right now, we have about the same amount of dogs right now. Wow. That is a massive number of animals on your property. Yes. Yes, wow. it is. Amazing. Well, talking of, about animals, I have to say, this is I have the sweetest little face coming up here on the screen. And for those of you listening to us on podcast, I have no idea what this dog is, but he's just so <laughs> dear looking. And I really want to know what have been your most successful fundraising campaigns? Like, what have they looked like? How have they drawn, um, you know, new donors to you or, or kept, you know, retained existing donors? Like, 
What are some of the things that stand out as being successful for you? You know, um, again, being so new, we've only, we haven't had huge, huge successes, but one thing I'm very proud of is one program we've started is our Heidi's Heroes. And that's really where someone can do a monthly giving to us. And, um, you know, whether it be $25, $100, $500, whatever somebody can do, that has been really very successful. I mean, again, we're, we're young, we're just getting started. So we only have probably 60 or 70 people doing that right now, but we started at zero. Oh, and we only started about nine months ago. So I think that's pretty good. I think that's phenomenal. And in an environment where you, you probably, I mean, you weren't able to conduct tours or you weren't able to do so many um, things that most people do when they, when they initiate giving societies. Oh my gosh. Yes. I think that's so, so we have a, we've uh, have a nice little t-shirt we give when they are Heidi's hero. So you can wear it proudly out in the community I and it's it. uh, a dog. I, I meant to bring one with me, but a dog with a cape on it. It's just really super cute. So that's been very successful. And again, I think our social media, we've done a lot for, uh, we go through dog beds quite quickly here. I can, um, oh. so that's, so we did a big push out on social media where to go buy the beds for us. And um, we probably received close to $4,500 worth of beds uh, back to us. So that stuff is huge for us, you know. And uh, again, we, we really pride ourselves on having high quality and keeping dogs comfortable and with lots of respect and dignity. So yeah, that's so important. Yeah, really. I, you know, it's one of those things I would have never thought about, but it's like, yeah, duh. <laughs> a basic thing. So when you're doing campaigns, um, whether it be for goods or services or money, um, I would love to kind of tap into what your experience is looking like with services. So, for example, people that have a passion for volunteerism versus people that actually are from the professional sector, vet techs, veterinarians. What is that looking like for you in this space? So um, on the volunteerism wise, we uh, we are currently have about 100 volunteers that are very active with us. And we have several groups that come in um, weekly that will support us. Some are actually um, disabled uh, individuals that are coming in and doing different activities for us, stuffing Kongs, making enrichment uh, toys for, for the dogs. And again, all that support is great. Um, On our vet side of things, we've had a few of the different surgeons come in and provide some pretty high dollar surgeries. Uh, We had Teacup Annie last year with a very big heart murmur that was um, expected to maybe live a year. She was a puppy, but came in and adopted open heart surgery on her. Uh, saved her life and uh, she's off off living on a farm living her best life now so so you know that kind of stuff is there it's like I don't even know how you value it because it's it's the dog's life and um but the the gentleman giving his time and the surgeon giving his time was uh, really really helpful to us so uh people give a a variety of different ways and um sometimes it's just supplies in the veterinary clinic that have helped us too through other uh organizations that typically would supply us, but are also giving in a charitable way. Wow. Amazing. It's such an interesting thing um, to think about your amalgamation of different needs and services that are going to be a little bit different than other animal welfare organizations. Um, How do you communicate that? How do you share 
to the potential donor or the existing donor of why and how you're different? It, I will say, to be very honest, Julia, it's a, it's a learning process because it ha, it is because we are unique. There's really no other uh, shelter that provides services like we do across the United States because we did a lot of research when we started to open. Yeah. So it's really it is challenging at time to get people to understand the gap. You know what we're asking people to pay for boarding and what it actually costs us to run are two very different numbers. <laughs> so, so we're working on that and trying to understand how, um, you know, how a dollar and what a dollar will do for us here. So I'm, but to be very transparent, we haven't figured all that out yet. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I got to believe that, you know, how this is structured and how it works in, you know, the pandemic um, that you, you opened in um, is going to shift in the next five years. Oh, I believe that to be very true. I mean, so it's it's such a fascinating thing to see you navigating this story. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on it. It's it's so interesting to see the size of your organization that's gotten out of the gate so strongly in a cataclysmic time. I mean, I, yes. I think it's fascinating. I really do. We have a, a viewer that's written in, um, and and this viewer writes, I commend you on this program. Back when I was an interim executive director of a largish cat rescue organization, about 2,500 per year, I was very sad to turn away people who had just needed an affordable place to care for their pets while they were in hospital or had to be away. Wish your organization type had been around. Yeah, very sweet. Yeah. Cool. But yeah. it speaks to the issue of how, um, you know, you are a unique thing. Yes. I mean, it's, uh, again, I think to what you just said, Julia, you know, over the next five years, we're going to, it'll be interesting to see where it all goes. Animals are definitely a part of our lives. Mm-hmm. And um, as the economics and dynamics change for us as humans, there's going to, it's going to be it may be get harder and harder for people to hold on to their animals. And we want to just be that safety net for them and to see how we can support. Because truly, if we can find resources to help you hold your animal in your home, we are all ahead of the game. The county's, I mean, the county has grown tremendously. I mean, we're almost 4.5 million people here. It's like, mm-hmm. that's a lot of animals. <laughs> so, yeah, it really is. Well, I'm, I'm fascinated with that 80%. Um, if you had asked me that, like what percentage of Americans have you know, a furry friend as a family member, I would have never gotten anywhere near near that. So that's pretty amazing. And I shouldn't just say furry because, you know, to the point of fish and you know, everything. Yeah, else. It could be I mean, a rabbit. It could be, it could be whatever. There's somebody in their yeah. house. But I mean, it's really an interesting thing to think about um, because that is a part of American society and, and um, you know, what, what that looks like on the outside. Um, is pretty significant. So very, very interesting to to have your perspective. So when we uh, when we don't have much time left, Cindy, but when you look at the future, what is it that you see your greatest need is going to be? Oh gosh, um, greatest need is is probably really and truly going to be the funding. I mean, I will say. The Virginia B. Jontas Foundation, uh, Jenny Jontas, our founder, and her foundation have been really the backbone of how we've operated. Uh, but we we get about half our revenue from her and the other half from anything that brings in. So 
finding creative ways to get the word out and having people understand the greatest, you know, there's such a big need here and it helps both the human and the four-legged. So yeah, I love it. Well, I'm really impressed with your 70 Heidi's heroes. And if you've done that in nine months, and what do you think the trajectory is moving forward? I mean, like, do you think you'll, you'll get that many next year? Or, I mean, do you have a sense of that? I know it's hard when you're so new. and It is hard. It is hard. But, but I feel like we're, great, we're gaining greater support and greater um, awareness of who we are out there. So, really, I'd love by the end of 2023, I'd love to have 500. I mean, that's kind of my goal. Wow. So, okay. Um, well, I'm a real a goal oriented. So, so anyone can help, you know, jump on board. <laughs> Maybe my goal. Oh my gosh. Well, I say that we book you for um, the end of 2023. And so we see what this trajectory looks like because it's such an interesting path. I mean, if you could do that many in a giving society um, that quickly in a pandemic, I think that's a shocking, shockingly successful. I mean, really, Cindy, that's amazing. So good job. Thanks. Yeah, no, it's, it's a lot of fun, a lot of work, um, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Well, here's Cindy um, Kenville's information, CEO of Heidi's Village, Heidi'sVillage.org. Check them out. Their website's terrific, um, beautifully done, and it really communicates, I would say, the spirit of of how you operate and, and what you're doing and how unique it is. Um, I love that it's a model for other organizations to partner with, especially when you brought up that number of working with almost 80 other nonprofits um, throughout your community. That is remarkable. And so uh, that in itself is a whole nother kettle of fish. I mean, working in, in, in cooperation with another nonprofit isn't always easy. True, true. But, <laughs> but we all have one thing in common. We have great passion for the animals we're caring for. So yeah, absolutely. Never lose sight of that. Yeah, well, you have been just a delight to have on. Um, we need to check back in with you and see how things are going um, so that we can kind of keep track of, of your successes and hear about your challenges and, and how you've overcome them. Because it sounds to me like you've got an amazing team that's really um, coming ahead in a time that's been incredibly challenging for most organizations let alone startups. So I'm super, super impressed. Again, if we haven't met, I'm Julia Patrick, CEO of the American Nonprofit Academy. Jarrett Ransom, the nonprofit nerd, will be back with us tomorrow. Hey, again, thank you to all of our presenting sponsors, Bloomerang, American Nonprofit Academy, your part-time controller, Be Generous, Fundraising Academy at National University, Staffing Boutique, Nonprofit Thought Leader, and the nonprofit nerd. These are the folks that are with us day in and day out. And uh, because they're here, we've been able to have this conversation with Cindy Canville of Heidi's Village today. Cindy, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It was my pleasure. It was a lot of fun. Keep up the good work. And as we like to end every episode, we want to remind ourselves, our viewers, our listeners, and our guests to stay well so you can do well. We'll see you back here tomorrow, everyone. Thanks, Cindy. Thank you. Bye.